the seeds of greatness are within you, but you have to recognize what they are. You know, they, you know, they're, everybody has something that they can do well or something they can do better than most people. Which yeah. you, when you find that and then you water that with education, training, whatever, that's when it blossoms into you becoming who you were meant to be, your destiny, if you will. That is Fox 8 News anchor Wayne Dawson. His book, The Seeds of Greatness Are Within You, provides stories of inspiration. And if there was ever someone who epitomizes that, it's Mr. Dawson, who began his TV career back in the late 1970s at the station he has always been at, Channel 8. That's Fox 8 News right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Dawson wasn't supposed to be on television. He wanted to be a sports writer. We talked about his teenage years when he strayed away from a purposeful path to his Kent State days and recall when he was given a big break by Virgil Dominic. Wayne was in a reporter training program at Channel 8 in 1979, beginning a run of 43 years that is still going strong. The next year, by the way, I walked into the building after spending more than four years working in some smaller television markets. Dawson is not only giving the news, he is preaching it as well. He is a pastor at Grace Tabernacle Church in suburban Cleveland. The interview coming up, but first, since 2015, the Cooper Foundation has been helping children and young adults with special needs in Northeast Ohio. They are providing assistance for some items that these individuals dearly need. Sometimes you just need a helping hand. And for more information, go to thecoopfoundation.com. Now, on to the interview with Wayne Dawson. The great Wayne Dawson. How far do we go back? You started at Channel 8 as an intern. You're one of the young guys, you and Cellini and I think uh, Kelly O'Donnell. Kelly you O'Donnell. had internships. You never had to go to South Dakota like I did. I was really blessed. I, I, rem- I, I got there in October of 1979. And at that time, I was just doing font stuff, you know, putting in the graphics and then at the beginning of the year, 1980, uh, I got I was put on a, a minority training program. Okay. And um, and I went out every day with reporters, and on the weekend I would go out with a reporter. He would do the main story. I would do uh, a story that really shouldn't have been a package, but I made it into a package anyway, just to be on the air. Right. So I did that for an entire year. After that, Virgil said, "Well, Wayne." Uh, I don't have an opening for you, but you can be freelance, which meant that I, I did a full-time job. I worked uh, weekends, and I worked three days a week reporting, mm-hmm. but I was not being paid. I wasn't under the after-contract at the time. Okay. But I didn't care. I mean, I'm just happy to be in TV. I'm like, whatever you say, Virtual, I'll do it. So that was back when we were getting, uh, remember talent fees? You see yes. the talent fees? Yeah, you had to make out your timesheet, and... You had to mark how many times you were on this show or that show, yeah. and you somehow compensated for that. So I got my talent fees, and then he paid me an hourly wage. But it was great. And then in 1982, a woman by the name of Maddie Majors left and went to Detroit. And that opened up a job for me. And so I started as a full-time, or I should say a staff reporter, yeah. in 1982. So that means I've been there on the air. It'll be 41 years in June. 
But I've been at Channel 8 Since for 40, yeah, 43 years. Mm-hmm. So I remember when you rolled in there. <laughs> yeah, But I rolled in there after working four years in minors, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. towns, South Dakota, Iowa, and then Buffalo. You replaced McLeod. I replaced uh, Fred Freddie McLeod. McLeod. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Fred and I were both up for the same job in San Francisco at that time. Wow. They gave the job to Fred McLeod, which opened me up to be able to be replacing Fred McLeod, who goes to San Francisco with the job that I didn't win in San Francisco, <laughs> but I got to come home to my hometown in the eighth or ninth largest TV market. It was great, Wayne. Isn't that something? I remember when I started at eight. We were the eighth largest market. Yeah. Now I think we're 19th. It's, oh, how things have changed, right? Yeah. When we got into TV, TV was a license to print money. Yeah. And that, that was the time when you had the big money anchormen like Judd Hamburg and, sure did. and Tim Taylor and Tim, all those yeah. boys. They were making uh, Ted Henry, yeah. you know, Doug Adair. They were Dorothy making big money. Oh, Dorothy. Gib. Oh, my Gib. And they made a lot of money, and they didn't do any work. But they were half-hour shows, remember? <laughs> yes. And then we went to an hour. I was like, well, how are we going to fill an hour? Oh, my gosh. We got an hour. What are we going to do with an hour show? And and the, the, it seems like the more shows we did, the, the less money we made <laughs> when you compare it to those guys. But I understand because, you know, then you only had what you had, three, five. Yeah, um, three, five, and eight. Eight, 43. 43 was, And yep. that was basically it. Yep. Yep. Cable was just now, you know, just getting started. Yep. It wasn't really a big big thing then. But uh, those were the days. Those were the glory. Those, as Virgil would say, those were the glory days of, of television, you know. And I got to say this. Virgil was the one who hired me oh, at Channel Likewise and myself, yeah. And he saw, you know, he was big on trying to find young talent, inexperienced young talent, talent and Cleveland based. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he did that with me and Vinny and Sissy and Tana Carly and... And uh, Kelly O'Donnell, yes. Mike DePasquale, yep. the list goes on and on. He had an eye for talent. He really did. He really did, man. And uh, so I just want to, you know, publicly thank him. I always do for, for giving me the shot. Likewise, myself. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have to say, and there's been so many great people that have done TV in this town, but if there ever was such a thing as a Mount Rushmore, I think he's one of the he's, four. He's on the top. He's, he's right there. I was thinking about that the other day, who I would put up there. And I would put Virgil. I probably would put uh, John Hambrick. All right, this I, would be a '70s anchor, a Channel Five. I would probably put. I would probably put Gibb. Okay. And Dick. Yeah. And Dorothy would have to be up there too. She would be uh, coming off the bench. She'd be coming off the bench because she was a commentator. She never really read news, but she yeah. was a commentator. But that's the Mount Rushmore yeah. of Cleveland television. I don't. That's just my humble opinion. Um, I don't know who I would put if I if I didn't put John Havoc. Maybe Ted Henry. Yeah. He was there for a long time. Or Tim. You know. But 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 I would say Ted Henry was was a, was legendary too. He was. No doubt yes, he was. It. So maybe instead of I'll take John off and put Ted up there. <laughs> Don't let Tim Taylor hear this because he made me upset. <laughs> All right, Tim, we got to get you to listen to this. Well, so many great stories. Like as you're learning the business, and the business is changing. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you know, you started off. You had a six o'clock news and an eleven o'clock, and there was. And I had five minutes of sports within the confines of thirty minutes. Now you do an hour show, or you do all the, and then there's much less time because consultants got into the mm-hmm. the fray. And uh, on a personal level. I, when I was out in Iowa, 
we were at the station that was the first client of this company called Maggot and Associates. Maggot and Associates, I remember and, that. And I was getting coached by, to do by TV the, by the Maggot consultants at a, as a 23-year-old out of Ashland College, yeah. uh, learning the ropes to be on TV. And, and then fast forward... Nowadays, um, um, it's still the same kind of a business. I wonder if Maggot is still around. I don't even know. I really don't. They were huge. Yes. They were huge. Did you learn anything from them? Well, I'll tell you what I learned from from Virgil about them later on. I can still remember, and I don't know what the consulting uh, company's name was, but when Virgil kind of stood them down, you know, and, and... they would come in with their ideas about how to do news in Cleveland, and no one knew how to do news in Cleveland better than Virgil Dominic. And no one had the conviction about what's best for this town and have the people that could go out and deliver the news that way. And I think he had a few uh, tussles with, you know, the consultant uh, folks in the business. And, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding because his the way he led us led us to the top, and, and it's been a formula that's been very successful. It's still in place today. That whole Cleveland's own thing yeah. is, is from Virgil, because yeah. that's what he did. He gave individuals from the city a chance, and he really, really wanted to focus on people who were from here and all of that, had roots here and all of that. And even today, that sets us apart from the other stations. Yeah. You know, we, when even what, 30 years later, 20-something years later, we still have that formula, and it's still successful. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It really, really is. Who taught you, uh, who were who some of the influences for you as you were growing up uh, on the way to Tri-C, then to Kent State, and then yeah. to a well, TV I, career? When it comes to television, uh, I my, my role models... Uh, remember a guy by the name of Max Robinson? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was incredible. He was the anchor, but the first network had anchor. Had that mustache. Black, and the, you see, I got still that yeah. one. Yeah. Not because <laughs> yeah, I just look funny without it. But, uh, but Max was the first black man <coughs> to be a network news anchor. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I grew up watching Leon Bibb, and he was good. But there was a guy also at, at Channel 5 by the name of, uh, what was his name? Uh, he did weekend snooze. Mm-hmm. Bill Jacox. Bill Jacox. Bill and he had, Jacox. He had a great voice. Yes, he did, and he was always in the show, but giving the thumbs up, you know. But uh, <laughs> so those were the individuals, and and I looked up to. But once I got to Channel Eight, Pete Carey was a, a big influence on me because we were very humble man. Very humble man. He was the first African American, the first black reporter in the city of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is that they hired him because they didn't have any black reporters and they wanted somebody to cover the Glenville riots. So they went and got him from WJMO, the black radio station, and hired him for the Glenville riots. And he stayed there ever since, stayed at Fox 8 ever since. But the bottom line is I learned a lot from him because we worked together on weekends. He was one of the reporters I went out on weekends. Plus we did a show called Neighborhood Together for yes. many years, that public affairs show. So Pete Carey, um, but as, as, we, as you probably know, when I first got into the business, I wanted to be a uh, a newspaper sports writer. Yes. That was it, man. When I graduated from Shaw, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, so I had to take stock of myself. And I said, well, I like sports. I can't play it that way, but I like sports, and I kind of like to write. So I said, I'll be a newspaper uh, sports yes. writer. Went to Tri-C and was writing, you know, big time. Had a lot of articles in the Tri-C uh, student newspaper, covered the basketball team, baseball team, didn't have football. Wrote some articles for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry, the Cleveland Calling Post, the black, okay, the black yeah. newspaper. So I had my portfolio, man, and I'm, I go down to Kent State University. It's, we were on quarters, and this was the beginning of winter quarter. 
I go over to the Daily Kent State, and I'm like, bam, here's my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they took a look at it, like, well, that's no real guy. Come back next quarter. We don't have any openings. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't know what possessed me to go over to the Music and Speech Building, because I had never done any broadcasting before at all. I had that heavy uh, you black had no, dialect. You had no, uh, <laughs> uh, no inclination in your, in your no. body that you would want to no. do TV. You so, just wanted to write. I just, I guess, so I went over there and they or had radio. A, they had a radio, they had a, they had a radio <laughs> shift open. So I went over there and bumbled and snubbled for, you know, about a year. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you know, I got introduced to television, TV2 over there at Kent State. And the rest is history. When I was at TV2, I really, really started focusing on television at that point. But when I got out of school, I would have taken a job doing anything. If they said, Wayne, you're going to be a director, I've been director today. Okay. If they said, Wayne, here's a camera, you're going to be a camera, I'd have been a cameraman. Sure. I did not care. Yeah. But it just so happened that Virgil had this training position for a reporter. Wow. So it worked out. And how did he, I don't think he had to sell you on that. He, oh, he just no. told you no, he could what be happened. in the newsroom with me, these yeah, great Let reporters. me tell you what happened. This girl named April Sutton, who was a go-getter, beautiful girl, had it. She was maggot. She went out and interviewed him in college. Interviewed that firm. So anyway, she sets up an interview with Virgil Dominic, and Virgil's impressed with you know Virgil like pretty girls. He was impressed with her, <laughs> and and then she says, "Well, there's a guy down at Kent State University named Wade Dawson. He's really good. We were good friends." He says, "Well, have him send me a tape." So I sent him a tape, and it was horrible. When I look at it, and I'm like, "Oh!" But he saw something in the tape. Yeah. So he he hired both me and her to be in this training program. So we were in it together, and that's how it worked out. But um, it was interesting. But back in those days, it was like I said, I remember when you came in. I, I think I was freelance because you got there in eighty one, eighty two. I went there in uh, nineteen eighty September. September. Well, I was yeah, I was I was freelancing yep. when you rolled in. I was I was working weekends. Yep. You know, I was out. I was covering. I, was doing I wasn't sports. I wasn't covering the major stories, but I was covering the. You know, every yep. now and then I get a nice story, but I was covering you know the filler stories. You know. Well, it was very easy. We we would have bumped into each other in the newsroom because the newsroom was, was about the size big. of a closet. It was. Back, I remember back, you coming you compared with the blonde, to now. You had the blonde hair man up there. This is a good looking. <laughs> this good looking young fellow coming I in. I had the blonde hair, and then I would bring my boys in yeah. if, if, as the years went on. Yeah. You know, little toddlers coming yeah. into the building. I remember one time I was on the weekends. This not to get off too too off track. Yeah. Uh, I, I had brought my son uh, Patrick, my oldest boy, and he's in the building. And I remember the uh, security guard coming over the intercom saying, "John, tell it your son is up on the roof. Please go get your son." <laughs> But you know, we loved the roof back then yeah. because you could go up there and watch the air show yeah. and the fireworks, man. That was fun. See, those were the good old days. Remember the, remember the Christmas parties we used oh, to yeah. have? Extravagant hey, affairs. <laughs> and the best one we had was the one we had at the station after the strike. Yeah. After, 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 I think it was uh, the uh, Nabet stroke. stroke yeah. Had stroke. yeah, that would and have been 81 came, or 82. We came back together and had it at the station. Yep. Ooh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it was just us. We didn't bring the spouses. As I said before, we, that was a lot of fun. No, I'm just <laughs> no we, had, we had good yeah, good times. And, yeah. and, uh, and, yeah. and the beautiful thing, I think, was um, we, we, we had the perfect mix of young pros, and, and then we had some real yes, yes. 
seasoned, seasoned professional seasoned. reporters that I think we all learned from. Oh Jim Mueller gosh. taught me the ropes the, the short time that we were there together yeah. before he left. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there was Joe Castiglione there. Joe Castiglione. And then I was able to, when Vinny came into the building, you t- you be, t- one you- of the, yeah, be one of the kind mm-hmm. of older guys mm-hmm. to help him out. Mm-hmm. And, and it just kind of, you know, the, that, that flow Vinny did happened. weekends. You were the main guy. Yeah. Uh, Vinny did weekends. I was main guy, and then Casey came in. Then the Casey mix. came in. Uh, I remember when Vinny left. Uh, I went up to Virgil. I said, Virgil, you know, I always wanted to do sports. And he said, Well, you know, you know, sports, local sports is, you know, we're we're starting to condense the time more because of, you know, CNN had a sports department. Yeah, yes, ESPN yeah. was. And, and he said, you probably should stay in news. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. But, you know, I did, I did, I wanted to do sports, you know. <laughs> but, but, but he convinced me just, just hang in there for news. Sure. And, and, um, and it's true. I remember on the weekends, sports was six, seven, sometimes eight minutes. Yeah, I, I had a, it, it was a, those early years doing it, it, it was, especially the first year or so, you you spent a lot of time putting yeah. that together, and I'm gonna be honest with you. It's just I wish it was still like that, because I mean, what do we what do we cover? I mean, come on, you know, we cover crime and this and that. I'd rather hear about the Browns, the Indians, and the Cavs yeah. than what's going on on East 57th Street, and you know who, right. who shot who on East 55th or something. That's just me though. No. But I'm a heavy sports fan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but it, it it is it is sad. And here's a question I ha- I want to ask you: What I've noticed over the years. All the major stories are broken by the network. Why is that? Because we used to break them here locally. Yeah. Why? Why if if it's a, something that breaks in Cleveland, ESPN is going to have it first. Yeah, it seems like these insiders have more of a inside track with the movers and shakers of the teams, um, and you know your Rappaports, your Schefters, and mm-hmm. those people. Wojnarowski's. Yeah, and and it's just kind of how. The power breakers, uh, brokers rather, in the NFL or the major sports, how they parcel out their information. Is that what they do? They, yeah, okay. it seems like you that's had a more. good relationship with Le- with LeBron, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, LeBron was very fair to me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I don't think we were buddy buddy, but mm-hmm. I think I think he respected the job that I did or mm-hmm. had to do. Mm-hmm. I never had any problems with him. There were times like after games, I could get him on court and get a few quotes out of him before he went to the locker room mm-hmm. he really wasn't doing that with anyone mm-hmm. else he could have said no way mm-hmm. um and i was you know friendly to his his high school buddies mm-hmm. like romeo mm-hmm. and guys of that nature but uh I, you know i don't know I, I don't know what kind of respect level he had coming my way but i always respected how he handled his business with the media and 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 it was and it was fun to be around him obviously easily the most uh interesting sports figure i've covered i'm kidding i had a good <clears throat> through his first pr guy i got a chance to kind of get in to know him yeah and was able to do a couple of interviews with yep, him when I he remember. really wasn't doing those interviews yep. and Used to send me shoes and stuff, and you know, <laughs> Christmas cards, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm in with her." I knew his mom. Yeah, we're real close. We talk, and and I remember her telling me, "Oh, my son's not going anywhere. He's a hometown boy." Next day, he's on his way to Miami. <laughs> so mom didn't even know. But here's what happened: when he came back, where we could get to him 
when he was the first time with the cast. When he came back, it was like corporate, man. You couldn't penetrate that circle. Yeah. You know, and it, it was just a different, when he left to go to Miami, he was still, hey, I could call up his guy. Can I, you know, kind of get to LeBron? Yeah. When he came back, oh, no. You, it, you, you had to jump through big time hurdles just to get in his presence, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. But like you said, I, I, nothing but respect for him yeah. for the way he has, has helped Akron out and how he's represented Akron and just how he's represented himself in the NBA. You know, the same girl that he went to high school with, he's still with. Yeah. You know, you never hear anything really bad about LeBron. You know, no, you you, you know no, no kids out of wedlock and all that kind of stuff. And he, so he's a good family man. I'm very proud of him. What he's doing with the Tangiers down in Akron right now. That, I mean, I'm so very proud of him. He's He's been incredible. And it's amazing that he's an old man now as far as an athlete is concerned. <laughs> well, old man is an athlete, but I still marvel. And I know he's going through some injury issues right now. But for the most part, how he's been able to still be in the upper echelon mm-hmm. of best players in the league at age what, what 38, 38? Yeah. 38 years and he's of been age. playing since he's 18 and he's been playing since he's eight, 18 years of age no truly uh you know one of the most interesting i think he my career in cleveland he bisected it by the last 20 years when mm-hmm. he came in it was the internet age was starting to gain mm-hmm. footing uh espns of the world were getting stronger they were grabbing onto something that was marketable to them obviously this 17-year-old kid at Akron St. Vincent St. Mary was right there down in their uh, wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And so they went to town on him, and he certainly provided them with a zillion clicks and views and all those types of things. Just a very compelling uh, figure and, you know, single kid, you know, just a kid from Akron. The the deal, uh, you know, that he dealt with moving from place to place Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what he has been able to do with his foundation, what he's done, obviously, with his family, or mm-hmm. just being like the, the big brother to many young stars in basketball. And he's kept basketball. that core together, the and four he, And the four guys are yeah. still together. That's and, incredible. Uh, you know, what Rich Paul has done, he's been very innovative in some of his approaches mm-hmm. as an agent. Maverick, same thing in business. Mm-hmm. And Randy. They're Randy's all, his guy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. Uh, four of those guys, uh, compelling figures. And then... You know, his buddies that he pooped with, you know, whether it was Drew, mm-hmm. whether it was Romeo, Sean Cotton, Sean Cotton, and all those guys. Does he still hang out with those Yeah, he's he still, still like, they, those guys were in uh, Los Angeles when he broke the record. Wow. You know, and you so, know he flew them out. He, he, <laughs> yeah, he sure did, but he doesn't, he doesn't forget. He's just, no. yeah, he's been super uh, compelling mm-hmm. uh, of a figure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, when you, you, you get, you, how did you work your way in onto the desk? Well, it's very interesting because <coughs> when I desk. first started for the first, what, 15 years, I was a reporter, and uh, and I loved it. To me, reporting is the creative part of, of broadcasting, and I still love to do it today. At my core, I'm a reporter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, maybe five or six years in, I started doing this show called Neighborhood, which was a wonderful, wonderful show, uh, community affairs show, yeah. which we don't do anymore. I did that with a guy named Herb Thomas yeah. for many, many years. We one of the best. Lot, one of the best. We won a lot of Emmys on that show. But I, what happened was, um, I st- there was we started a morning news on the weekend, and because of my hard work, you know, Virgil and I had filled in here and there on the weekends. Virgil said, "Hey, I want you to do." Uh, you know, one day of the weekends and, and then Willard Smith, Willard Shepard would do the other day. Okay. So I think I did Saturdays and Willard did Sundays. And my first co-anchor on the weekend 
was a woman by the name of Rebecca Shaw from Channel 5. And I think Willard, I forgot who he worked with. But anyway, that's how I first got into anchoring. And I did weekends. And then Willard left, and then I did Saturday and Sunday weekends. And Rebecca Shaw was there. Lori Taylor was one of the co-anchors there. Um, and uh, uh, also, too, uh, uh, Robin Mead oh, was yes. also one of the co-anchors near the very end of it. She went on to CNN She fame. went on to CNN yeah. fame. So after that, after a couple of years doing that, uh, uh, Dave Buckle retired. Dave Buckle, who did weekends forever. He did weekends so long. with him. You did. He did weekends so long, his boat was named Weekend Anchor. <laughs> so he That's left. Yeah. And so they, you know, lo and behold, uh, they, they put me there. And uh, I'm trying to think who my first co-anchor on the weekends was. I forget who it was. But I know I did weekends with uh, with uh, Sissy for a while. Yeah, Stephanie and, Schaefer. Uh, Stephanie Schaefer. I did weekends with her. And and uh, and then uh, Lori Jennings. Remember Lori Jennings? I did yeah. weekends. She with just her. retired recently. Yeah, Donna Davis, who's passed yeah. away. I did weekends with her. I was on weekends about six years, and uh, three working three days a week as a reporter doing the weekends as well. Actually, when I had that shift, it was a great mix because yes. you you know you got to get out into the field those three days. One that nice. And, and and I loved you I know loved just. That. The newsmakers to be able to be there and they see you, you see them, mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. You have that common respect. You're not stuck behind the desk all the exactly. time. Exactly, and then and then you get to be on the air and and and, it, and it, in those days, the weekend news was just as it, it was not as important as the weekday, but it was right on right underneath. Yeah. The morning show was still something very very new. As a matter of fact, it didn't exist when I first got there. Yeah. I mean, when I first started doing weekends, but the but but. Uh, the uh, the weekend news was right under you know I would fill in you know yeah. when Tim was off I, they'd have me fill yeah. in and all that stuff so it was it was very very it was a high profile position not so much anymore uh, but uh, but so that's how I got into anchoring and after after about five years Bill Martin who <laughs> was uh, doing the mornings goes to the evenings because they I think it's so funny that mornings just so. Lou Maglio was there. He was Lou was doing the morning show. He was doing mornings and evenings. Yeah. But make a long story short, Bill was put in that position to anchor the morning show. He did a wonderful job. He did it for three or four years. And then he wanted to go to nights. And so he left and then they took a chance on me. And uh I me and Sissy did it for three years, three or four years. And uh and, and I've been there now. It's twenty started ninety-nine on that show. Wow. So it's been 24 20 years. Four years on the morning show. Isn't that crazy? Getting up in the middle of the night. Man, oh man. I remember also, too, when Rick Young did that show. Rick Young started it. Rick Young, Kelly O'Donnell, yeah. and uh, um, Danny Coughlin and Andre. When Rick was off, they would have me fill in. You know, I was also doing weekends, but they would have me fill in on his show. So, and I, was, and I thought it was hard getting up to, <laughs> to, to start a show at 6 in the morning, right? Now we're doing it at 4 in the morning. I'm thinking, man, I can't sleep. I got to get up. I got to be at work at six. Now it's like I got to be at work at four. So, but yeah, so I, that's how I, I, so been doing it ever since. And I really like it now because even though the, the hardest part is getting up in the morning at two, but the morning news has now become the moneymaker of the station. You know, but maybe because we're on so long. It's been consistent. But it's more been people number one. watch the morning 
Than, to get ready the for their day. Yeah, because, you know, in the evening, now you have so many different options. You know, at 6 o'clock, that used to be the show. Bill, I mean, uh, they yeah. still call it the record, but yeah. nobody, not a lot of people watching the 6. They're watching other stuff. You know, in the morning, you get up, you turn on the TV. Well, okay, what's the weather like? What's the yeah. traffic like? What happened? What missed? What I missed overnight? Mm-hmm. You can get all your and, stuff. And it's a 30. Yeah, and, 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 the, and the audience is always moving, uh, tr- transition audience. And but but for now that's where the money is. So that's been a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the show is worth something, and we're number one. So and I just said that's just a blessing from God. It really, really is. Because you know how ratings are. Who knows? Yeah. But I think God has blessed us at Fox Eight. Have you? Uh, you mentioned. Have you ever taken the, the you know the number one ratings? Has there ever been cause for you to take that? To well, it's because they're watching me. No, yeah, I, I, I kind of no. knew the answer there, but I, I think we've all come to believe yeah. at that place is that yeah. the, it's the, the machine. machine. It's, the, it's machine. the machine. The machine is the deal. They're not tuning in to see you specifically, but it's that Fox Eight thing. There are a couple of stars since I've been at Fox Eight. Mr. Goddard. Goddard was a star, but he didn't act like one. Judd Hamburg was a star. <laughs> I'm Judd Hamburg. I worked Judd a few. I was on the anchor desk with him. Yeah. <laughs> Wilma Smith was and a Wilma. Star. Yeah. She had her own office. <laughs> Sorry, don't say it. Right, uh, right. But right. Uh, but but it's the it's the it's the team. It really really is, and uh, it, it is what it is. And uh, and 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 I don't care who you put in that. So position. we're like systems quarterbacks, we're pretty right? much. <laughs> we're, we're like the uh, Jacoby Brissett's. I don't know, or like you, or, or or who's the guy that played with the Baltimore Ravens and won the Super Bowl? Oh yeah, and he came to the Browns. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stuck yeah. him. You stick him in there. He does <laughs> yeah. his job. Played one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but it, so I mean, that's and but it's it's a it's a testament to who we are at Fox Eight. Yeah, it's the you it's know? the team. We've it's never had any. Like I said, Wilma was a she was a star. Robin was. Oh my gosh, what uh, do you say about? Robin was so crazy. Oh uh, Robin, Robin Swoboda, just just crazy to work with. A lot of fun to be around, mm-hmm. and you never knew which way she was going. It was so funny. Air. I'm doing that. I'm, 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 uh, it's so funny. Robin was crazy. I used to always fill in, you know, when Tim was off. But this particular day, they had Kevin Freeman okay. filling in. He's anchoring. I'm out in the field. And Robin, you know, she says, "Wait, uh, what are you doing out in the field?" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like. Uh, you know, she would just, I mean, <laughs> but can I tell you, Robin broke the mold. And today, if you watch how people interact, especially females, Robin started all that stuff. Being yourself on TV, yep. ha- laughing, you know. Yep. I always tell Aaron, Christy, a few of your personal things, per se. I, I, always, yeah. I always tell Christy Caper, you, you, you Robin Swoboda in, reincarnated because she's that person, you know. <laughs> yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And Sissy is, well, Sissy, Sissy started out with me. So, you know, you take it serious, man. You're on the news desk, you know. You got to be, you got to be, you know, Mr. Authoritarian, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Authoritative. And, and Sissy was like that initially. But uh, when she went to the morning show, she started letting her guards down. Now Sissy's like, you know. It's, yeah. the, envir- it's the environment. It's you that know, morning it's that, show, that, man. That very calm. Yeah, you know, it's I mean, the morning having, show. Let loose. Robin I'm, was just so. Oh, Robin was, I, I, oh I, Robin and and uh, uh, Bill Martin were similar in the sense that you would write. I would oftentimes you see a little bit of a behind the scenes here, or in how they make the sausage. If you're a reporter and you're live somewhere, if I'm anchoring the sports and I'm out at the uh, at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, I'm going to write an intro 
that they're, you know, that they're going to read to send it out to me. And I would write those for Bill. And Bill never, ever wrote, uh, read them on the air the way I wrote what did them. You read he would them? just say, all right, you know, same like you. Uh, uh, John's out. At, what are you doing out there today? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And it was always that way. And so and it, that's what kept it kind of, you know, and it would, he would jab me on the air. And it was good, give or take. Same thing with Lou Maglio. Lou's a little bit more by the script, obviously. Okay, okay. But Lou loosens up as well. So yeah. great now, guys to work with. And, and Bill... And that's why the morning show was so popular. Bill was the one who turned it around. Well, we, we were the first morning show in, in, in the city, and uh, and we were number one, obviously. What happened was uh, they changed it up, and the, the numbers fell. And so they put Bill Martin in there, because Bill was doing a stick at five or something yeah. like that. They put him, him in there, and the numbers came back up. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but Bill was like, I don't know. He was just, you know, he was very loose. Yeah. Cutting Andre's tie in the air. Yes. Pie in the face. It's uh, fr- that we're, whole- out, we're at Jacob's Field, and he brought uh, Green Eggs and Ham, the book. Okay. And he had Jim Tomey, he had... Omar Vizquel read Green Eggs and Ham live on the air. Are you Stuff serious? Like that. Yes, <laughs> he was. Uh, he, it's so funny too, and uh, and so I'm replacing that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to be Mr. Happy uh, Guy. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and, and they used to say Wayne, it's uh, Donna Davis, who was my coworker that I left, uh, and I think uh, who replaced me was was Maglio on the weekend. She says, Wayne, this is how it's going to go. It's six o'clock. Pie in your face, Wayne. <laughs> Thankfully, that never happened. In other top stories, <laughs> right, right, right. Oh my gosh! But but you know it's but it's yeah. Bill was uh, he he kind of he was a, a trendsetter for sure, and uh, he really brought the because we had fallen off in the morning, but he brought it back to life and uh, and I just hey I just took it and ran with it after that you know yeah twenty four years later. Here Bill's not retired. I'm still getting up at two in the Bill's, morning. Bill's in the pool right now. <laughs> right. We're, we're recording this interview. Right. It's like it's midday on a Tuesday, right. and Bill's probably in his pool oh you know, down in Florida, and here we are in Highland Heights. Highland uh, Heights, you know, Ohio. Trying, yeah. to, trying to stay warm. To stay uh, let me make a transition to okay. uh, what you do when, uh, when you're not at the studio and not working, uh, and I'm sure people in Cleveland are aware, but... We do have listeners outside of Cleveland as well. Mm-hmm. You are a pastor, and uh, every week you are getting ready for what you're going to say on Sunday. How is the whole? How do how do you work with that whole process? And when you're up there at, on the pulpit, is it someone like somewhat like TV, somewhat in a performative mm-hmm. sense of what you do? Mm-hmm. It is. Um, you know, TV is all performance, all performance. Um, when you're in the pulpit, it's it's performance, because when any time, as you know, as 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 a public speaker, you know it's you have to project, you have yeah. to connect, and 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 that's what I try to do on Sunday. Um, so there's a small amount of performance there, but mostly, I'm gonna be honest with you, I just let the spirit of the Lord kind of lead okay. me. Um, I'll I'll write a sermon, I write my sermons out, but you know, and I but I. After I write them out, I just kind of sometimes I'll stick to the script, but I'll go off a lot. But um, and it, it is it is very interesting because you know I I never really wanted to be a pastor. Uh, I mean I thought about it, but I, I it was it was a fleeting thought. I was fine being. I was working with um, Stephen Rowan at Bethany Baptist Church where I grew up, and he's the one who licensed me and. 
then a few several years later he ordained me and I was fine because you know as a, as an associate he was allowing me to go to other churches and preach and all of that and you know selfish that that's I was broadening my base I was just going to different churches all around town just okay. doing my thing and I never really thought about being a pastor but what happened was a friend of his was the pastor of the church I'm, I'm at now, and he was the founding pastor, and he got sick. And he asked me, hey, you think Dawson would want to go over here and help me out? Well, the day I was supposed to meet with him was the day he passed, so I never got a chance to really oh, talk to him about the position. So they needed an interim pastor, and, and my pastor said, hey, you want to be the interim, be over there until they find a pastor? I said, well, I don't care. You, you mind? You know? So I threw my, my hat in the ring, and they picked another guy. They picked somebody okay. else. I'm like, I'm doesn't make a difference to me. I got a career. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they come back. They, this, this guy bailed out on them last minute. So they come to me. And I'm like, available. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Didn't know what I was getting into, right? So now, six years later, <laughs> one year as an interim and five years as pastor, I'm still there. And um, it is, I'll, I'll, it's a lot of work, and I'll tell you why. Because when I was just doing my thing at Fox 8, I'd come home. I was able to play an entire season of PlayStation 4 or 3 with your Cavaliers, with the Browns. I didn't play the Indians. I have not. I got a PlayStation 5 I just put up. I have yet to play it. I have not played a game or a season since I started working as a pastor. I don't have time. But that was my enjoyment, man. I love PlayStation, man. I played, like I said, I played some of the Brown season, the Indian season. Are you telling me you're a, hum you're a humorless man now Now that you can't play your PlayStation? Man, I guess I am, man. I'm boring is what I am. I'm boring. But oh, it, it takes, it's a lot of work. And uh, people say, well, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't even know. It's just the Lord giving me the strength to keep on doing it. Well, how do and, you find out? You know what, what what to talk about this week? What what's, well, what's the angle? Does it come to you mm -hmm. uh, the day before? Mm -hmm. Does it come to you on a Monday mm -hmm. and you kind of mute? You Sometimes, think about it all week. Usually, I try to work three or four weeks in advance. Oh, okay. You know, I'll, and I'll do series. Uh, we, I've just, I, I did a, a series on giving in January. Okay. You got to do the giving series, and, but you got to come at it a different angle, not begging. And so, so now we're getting ready to embark on a twenty-one day fast. So I've given, I've done a couple of series on fasting, okay. you know, the importance of it, the meaning of it, how it's not just a diet, it's prayer and fasting. And then we're coming up on, 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 on Resurrection Sunday. So I'm going to do some stuff on, you know, on Christ and, and, and the passion and all okay. of that. So, and then, like I said, but, but the easiest way to do it is to grab a, a series on something and, and you know, and, and, and do three or four or five messages in a series that takes some of the pressure off. But I like to I like to work three or four weeks in advance. I don't want to feel I'm a pressure oriented guy when it comes to television. Yeah, I mean we face so many deadlines yes. a day. But what, the, for the for the for my messages, I want to be in it. I want to I want to know oh, I don't have to write a message this week unless I really want to because I got two or four in the can. So that's the way I usually work it. So working ahead it for gives me, you comfort. Yeah, because not only that, I got to do Bible study on Wednesday. So. Plus, I'm working a full-time job, so it gets, it can be much. So I just like to feel comfortable when it comes to the to the messages I do on Sunday, and I only go about twenty minutes. I don't go a long, I, sometimes thirty, but but I don't I don't go. I'm not one of those guys that's you know going to preach 
for an hour, hour and a half. You know, I, I try to get them in and out, kind of like you do in the Catholic Church. You guys don't go long. No, we don't. We probably go yeah. longer than you guys. But but I, I twenty minutes is a good message. I remember one of my old pastors said, he said if you can't, he said if you can't tell it in twenty minutes, you you, you know, because you'll yeah. lose them after after a certain time. You'll lose yeah. them unless you're just incredible. You know, Billy Graham could do it, but uh, you know, right. but uh, but uh, but yeah. But it's been an interesting journey. It really really has. And and I'll tell you what, another guy who I've really really leaned on for advice and direction is Andre Bernier. Okay. You know, he's yeah. been doing, he's, he's been interim pastor. He's like the interim pastor guy. He's, yeah. he's been the interim pastor like at three or four churches. And when I first took the job at Grace, I really, really leaned on him for his direction and, you know, just whether or not I should do it when I, be, when I was going to be an interim there. And now I think now he's in the middle of a, in a, a intern, a interim position at a church and I'm sure they want him to stay, but he says, well, I'm going to do it one more year. That would make three years as an interim pastor at this wow. church. But but uh, it's interesting, and, and the thing that's real interesting is n not so much the preaching part. That's the easy part. But when you're at a small church, it's it's the administrative part, and it's the ministering part, you know, where you have to go to do the hospital visits, yeah. and then you have to bury folks and marry folks. You have to counsel folks. That's a lot. And every now and then, you feel that heaviness. But uh, at that point, I just take it to the Lord in prayer, you know. People always say, well, how does it mean you're reading all this this bad news every day? You know, I'm not. I'm reading it, but it's. I'm not internalizing it. But when you're dealing with people one on one, that's internalizing. That's internalizing it. You know, I may read of a horrible situation. I'll be like, oh man, that's horrible. But I don't take it home with me. Yeah. Whereas here, they'll call me at home. <laughs> you know, I'll eat dinner. Oh wait up. <laughs> uh, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're a young kid. Were you? Uh, were you uh, immersed in the black church? Uh, well, I grew well. You know, or no. like, I was grew up there until I was about ten, about twelve, thirteen. But then I went way off the beaten path. I, you know, I was. I mean, running, away from your faith. Or, yeah, oh, I, okay. I wasn't. I stopped. Well, let me say this: I, I was going to church, singing in the choir until about thirteen, fourteen. My mom and dad kind of split up. She stopped going to church, and I didn't go to church. So this is a long period of time where I was still believer but I wasn't in church gotcha. uh, but I was heavy in church as a young person singing in the choir all of that I wanted to be a, so funny when I was a kid I wanted to be three things I wanted to be Stevie Wonder a Greyhound <laughs> bus driver okay a pastor because I liked my pastor at the time his name was A.T. Rowan oh, uh -huh. he's a great okay. pastor then I had the nerve to want to be president of the United States all right you wide array of choices <laughs> way before Barack Obama wanted to so anyway so that's crazy so anyway uh ended up being a newscaster so that's a whole nother ball game but anyway uh so I was I was heavy into the church early I learned a lot about the Bible and all that but I but I, but as a kid I started you know falling away okay and doing crazy stuff you know I was a teenage parent and, uh, How I, old were you when you had your? your I was eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and then you know I I you know started when I got into middle school middle school seventh grade started getting high, you know and all that kind of stuff. So that's when I really fell off of the church. But I think it was because my family life was in turmoil, and uh, I started hanging out with guys who just didn't care, yeah. and they and they were my friends. So you know and they that's were why formulating I, your your uh, reasons to have faith or not to have faith. Yeah, and it wasn't that I didn't have faith, but I just didn't practice it at all. I was like, well, I'm, a, I'm young. I'm going to have a good time. But there were always people <laughs> in my life said that, Wayne, you can do better than that, you know? I mean, I went from all A's to, like, D's and C's. Really? You know? okay. Yeah, it was, it was a total 180 in a sense. But deep down inside, I knew I could do it, and I knew that I had it in me. 
you know, so I, I, I always had that. And then I always had the people telling me that. But I was able to pull out from that situation. But I was on the on the I was on a negative road. I was almost a juvenile delinquent, almost. But uh, but once again, I think the Lord had His hand on my life even back then, you know. And so I was almost like uh, you know the prodigal son who had run away, came back home running, <laughs> and the father met him on the road, you know. But uh, but but yeah, that's what happened. But it, but and, it, and when I moved to East Cleveland, that's you know like I said in my high school years and middle school years, certainly not proud of them. I just did enough to get by. Subsequently, when I graduated, I had I went to I couldn't get in a four. You had to go to Tri C. Sure. So I had to you know I had to take remedial math and, and English and all that stuff because my grades were so low. But it was at Tri C, is where I really started to focus. And I give them all the credit in the world because that's where I said, okay, I want to get busy. Plus, I had a daughter, that made me focus as well. I said, there's what that's when I said I want to be a, a sports reporter. I want to get into journalism. And I went from, you know, all A's straight through Tri-C, transferred to Kent State University, focused once again. No longer a knucklehead. No longer a knucklehead. And I was focused at Kent, man. I was like laser focused. Yeah. And that's how I was able to go through Kent, you know, 3.5, working. I was news director at the campus TV station for two years. And uh, so I was really focused. And when I got to Channel 8, it's so funny, I wasn't intimidated. Oh. Because I had done so much in college, writing entire shows when folks didn't show up, you know, you, you got to put a show on it. We did two, yeah. we did two, an hour, two half hours. And sometimes I had to write the whole thing. <laughs> and plus we did, you know, we did stories and all that stuff. So I had the audacity to think that, man, she bring it on. I can do this. <laughs> My first on-air appearance was, I think it was in January 1980. Folks are like, ooh, he was just in college. But that's how, how, how nice it was because under that training program. Do you have that tape? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I first probably at the station somewhere, you know, you because know, we, you know, we keep all those tapes. Oh, yeah. At least we did. We're packers. And then we used to be a team when I used to, I used to log every story I've ever done until I got to about 5,000 and I stopped. They stopped. <laughs> but I used to, every day, I would write the story and the date and, you know, yep. what it was. But anyway, that's, that's the way it rolled out. But, um, but yeah, so you know, like I said, I just think God was was always, um, you know, kind of ordering my steps, and and that's why what I do now is just a way of saying thank you to my heavenly Father for blessing me beyond what I could have ever imagined, and because like I said, my mom was on welfare. You know, we were we were you know we were that family. Yeah. But God has bl- has blessed me over the years, and and what I'm doing now is just a way to say thank you, Lord. You know, my whole ministry thing is a thank you, Lord. Um, you know, there's no way a guy from East Cleveland <laughs> should be at Fox 8 for, for 43 years. How did that happen? Sometimes I look at him and I'm Someone like, invested. how did that happen? <laughs> east side of Cleveland, East Cleveland, Glenville. How did that happen? You know, and, and I've seen guys come and go. Guys who came in who had great pipes and good looking and God's gift to TV. They came and went and I'm still there. Was like, How the heck did that happen? <laughs> well, you, you know the answer. You well, said, God you, has a sense of humor. I don't yeah, know. That's right. You placed your faith in the yeah. big guy. And, and even when I didn't know it, though, Jay, even when I didn't know it, because, I, I mean, I can't say I was insane at Fox 8. Can I tell you, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever said this story. I remember one time I was with a certain photographer. I won't mention his name because he's out of business. His name is Mark Borchek. Oh, yeah, Mark. And Mark Borchek 
He used to like smoked herbs, you know. He was yes. herb smoker. Well, yeah, Mark did that and drove yeah. fast. And drove fast. So one day, you know, our f- story fell through. Uh, we did something. I forget what it was, but the story fell through. So I didn't have a story that day. So we make a detour to his house. He pulls out. I was still smoking every now and then, you know. He pulls out joint. We smoke it. I got to go back to the station. Child, this was the last time I ever smoked a joint. I went back to Fox 8, paranoid. I'm thinking, everybody's looking at me. You know what I'm saying? That was the last time I smoked a joint in my life. And Mark Borchek was the guy. But I do remember this. I'm just going, you know, this is a podcast. I'll say it. I remember when the NABIT was on strike. Yeah, that was 81, 82. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to cross this picket line. But when I found out Tim Taylor didn't cross and everybody didn't cross, the only people crossed, I think, was Mark Coonson and Stan Childers. So we go back to Dale Sonny's house, me and Vinny. Dale breaks out the herb. (laughs) I'm saying... Man, this is Dale Sally. He was a, you know, Dale at the time was the man. Yes. He breaks out there and rolls a couple of joints, me and Vinny smoking the joint. We, we're kids, you know, we're, we're new at the station. I'm, I'm maybe 23, 24, 20, you know. And that's, all, I, I don't think I put that in my book, but I'm getting high with Dale Sally and Vince Cellini. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, yeah, I got a million, but see, I've been there for a long time. So, but like I said, that one time with Warchick, that was the last time. Oh my gosh. I ever. And I think I may have been about 25, 26. Yeah. Well, but I still had to play in me. Yeah. You know, still had to play in me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, after that, when I came back to the station, I was totally paranoid. I'm, like, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> in your little rant now, your, your yeah. uh, uh, um, marijuana-induced rant, if right. you will, from 45 years ago. Yeah. You mentioned the book. You yes, have a book. Yes, and yes, yeah. and although I need I, I want you to talk a little bit okay, about that. Okay. And okay. Uh, uh what was the impetus for it? What's, well, the, what's impetus, the angle? Well the impetus was uh I, I never thought about writing a book. You know, most people wait till they're retired to write a book. But what happened was this guy named Deontay Young, um I hooked up with him. He sought me out to do a chapter in a book he was doing called uh, Winning is for Losers. And so he asked me to do a chapter, and I did. I Basically, I just kind of talked to him, interviewed him, and he wrote the book. He wrote the chapter. And he says, man, came back about six months later. Man, I'd love to do your memoirs. I'm like, I said, man, nothing. I haven't done anything. You know, I'm with nothing much to tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you can do a book. So we kept talking. We kept talking. One thing led to another, and I, I said, okay, fine. He had written a few books. I said, fine, I'll do it. And uh, that's how it came about. Huh. And so I, what I did was he did, he interviewed me over the course of a year. And he did all the writing, you know. And then me being a, you know, writer, you know, he sends me the stuff and I pick it apart. You know, just give it back to him. Yeah. But that's how it came about. And uh, uh, so it was basically his idea. So I really have to, to tip my hat to him for actually wanting to do it. And, and and he's he's the engine behind it as far as the social media stuff and all of that. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in the process of of doing like book tours now to various libraries and bookstores. Yeah, book signings. Yeah, book signings. So that that's basically how it, how it unfolded, and it's basically the story of my life. But we also talk about Fox Eight a lot as well, and there are chapters in there by Virgil. You know, Stephanie has a chapter in there. Christy has a chapter in there. You know, and my pastor, Rowan, has a chapter in there. Sure. And they just kind of give inside information, you know, the things that we've done. 
and you know how you know their memories of some of the things we've done but uh yeah so it's it's an inter- I, I i think it's an interesting book um but like i said before it's basically about my life and the message is this if i can make it anybody can because my this, the book is called because that's when you said earlier the kid from east cleveland right. bah, 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 bah. totally this the book is titled the seeds of greatness are within you and and that's my message to young kids when i talk to them especially when young kids in the inner city the seeds of greatness are within you, but you have to recognize what they are. You know, they, you know, they're, everybody has something that they can do well or something they can do better than most people. Which yeah. you, when you find that and then you water that with education, training, whatever, that's when it blossoms into you becoming who you were meant to be, your destiny, if you will. Awesome. And that happened with me, you know, with the, with the television thing, you know. And, and, uh, and like I said, and when, I, when I look back on my career, there, there's nothing else I would have wanted to do. Uh, and people ask me that. I mean, I said, man, I've had a wonderful career. I mean, it's been great, and uh, and I've been blessed. I never really wanted to work network, you know. I never wanted. The only thing early on when I first started at Fox Eight, I wanted to work in D.C., but then I figured out how much cost of living was there, and so I'm like, so I've always been good in Cleveland. One time I had a chance to go to Milwaukee early on in my career, yeah. and 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 because we were store and we had a right. station in Milwaukee, yeah. we had a small uh, group of stations. Mm-hmm. And Virgil said, "Well, you know, if you want to go." I think you'll be okay right here. So I stayed here. And I kept getting promoted, you know, slowly but surely, doing weekends and in in, in, in reporting weekends and working, you know, working. My off days were Wednesday and Thursday. Didn't get much worse than that. But I didn't care. So I was out doing my thing. Weekends is when I was able to shine. I got the lead story on the weekends. Yeah. Ah, here, let's go to Wayne Dawson. He's yeah. out, you know. And and because we work weekends, I think yep. you were, yeah. Yep. Yes, and, you and 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 I matter of fact, when you went to the six, I remember Rizzo coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rizzo came in in like '97. And he did an audition. It was the wildest audition I ever seen in my life. I'm like, whoa, man, they gonna hire this guy? But uh, but yeah, they hired him. And and and, and the rest is remember uh, Mark Schrader? Yeah, of course, very well. Mark was a producer. Mm-hmm. Mark worked producing Danny Coughlin yeah. Sports. And Mark worked his way onto the air. He did. Worked his tail off. Yep. Had a unique talent. Worked his tail off. And he's pivoted now. He's one of the best auctioneers In anywhere. The, yeah. Remember the hair raising? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he used to have a segment of hair raising. You know, he was he was good. That was that was those were good days because our team, our best team on the weekend was me, Sissy, Mark Koontz, yeah, and Mark Trader. We were all single. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't say anything more, Pastor. That's all I have to say as a pastor. A sinner saved by grace, as they say. <laughs> I don't think I can stop uh, uh, this conversation without saying, uh, on a personal note, thanks for great friendship. And, and, oh, you man, know. John, John, I'm going to tell you something. You are the most genuine person I've ever no, met in TV. No you are. I mean, because you are, are so supportive. You've supported me on my bowling stuff. But it ain't just me. You support everything. You can be off, and the station is doing a project. You will show up. Even now, you show up. I mean, I don't care what it is. If it's a charity thing, you can count on John Tellich being there. You are a genuine man. Now, you really know you're humble. I mean, you know, some folk in TV have ego. You know that, don't you? Yeah, it's the breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news, my friend. <laughs> you have no ego, man, and and uh, you've just always been that guy. We're only that, penciled in, and right? Then you, and that's the way I look at it to this day. We're penciled, penciled in. Penciled in. Yep. 
And that's the bottom line. And when you remember, when you know that, you know that it's a blessing to be there. Hey, you, you know, you have no room to be you know, arrogant, although there are a lot of arrogant people in, in TV. But you are one of the nicest guys, humble and a professional. Thank you. You do your job well. One of my uh, good friends, you, you, you of course, know uh, Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn, and yeah. And we, we often... On on just chatting on the phone and yeah. just say what are we doing today and the answer usually comes out just just auditioning for heaven that's Ooh, what we're doing hey man that's we're what this life is all about and Ted Ginn what a great man yeah. what a great great man he's another one you know all his he's finally getting his roses yeah you know and uh, although he's always been but now he's really getting his roses when they won that championship this last year which thankfully they won. And uh, but he's a, another wonderful man. But John, yeah, you and and as far as and when I the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland sports guys, I, I would say uh, Gibb. Um, Gibbs, who I looked up. Yep, to. the guy that replaced him, uh, that passed. Neville. Neville. Nev Chandler. Yep, Nev Chandler. Yep. You and Donovan. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to say. Got and so I will put you on that much Mount Rushmore right there. Wow, let's build another mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dawson, thanks, buddy. What a pleasure chatting with oh, you. Mine, and uh, we'll keep this up. We're, we're, we're uh, well-seasoned individuals, yes, and are. we'll just continue to enjoy life. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Wayne is a multiple Emmy Award winner. He's a recipient of the Natus Silver Circle Award. The Cleveland Press Club gave him the Chuck Heaton Award. One of his greatest accomplishments, however, folks, is the loving memory that Wayne and his brother East Cleveland Judge William Dawson pay towards their late mother, thanks to the Annie L. Dawson Scholarship Fund. It's part of the Dawson Foundation. Thanks very much to Wayne Dawson for a great chat. Always a fantastic time catching up with Wayne, one of my longtime buddies in the television business. And as usual, subscribe, rate, and or review wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you the next time around on Telich Talks. See you then.